This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. We are going to have a very interesting discussion about pain science, physical activity, and how to do science comms with YouTube. And we have a great guest for this episode. Earlier, he was working as a senior physiotherapist. Then he has done his PhD at Macquarie University related to assessment tool for a child's concept of pain. Currently, he's working as a lecturer in physiotherapy at the University of Technology, Sydney. And he has been active popularizing science. His YouTube video, The Mysterious Science of Pain, has had millions of views. And he's writing children's book on key pain science concepts. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Joshua Pate. Welcome, Josh. Thanks, Oli. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to have you. So basically, the success story can be someone outside, but also the person involved, that they they are the success story. And I, I think we use that quite often when we, for example, measure physical activity before and after they see the success. And I think for that, it's important that we actually can measure really accurately that they will actually see the change, because if they if they change something and we cannot measure it, like for some reason, that's that's yeah. And I think even with that, like measuring physical activity, like the, what data are you giving as feedback? Because sometimes it can be too much information, and then other times it can be presented poorly, or it can not be enough information. And so some of that is also going to factor into whether or not it will be framed as a success. So I think objectively, someone can succeed and improve or achieve their goal but they might not perceive that as a success. And I think that's almost more important <laughs> than the objective outcome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point because, yeah, anyway, if you measure many things, you can find that something's improved and, and then labeling as a success, I think it's a good starting point. And I had the episode with Peter Katzmarchaik, who is a, a obesity researcher, and he said that the, early success in an intervention is super important that in the first month you need to succeed and then everything gets easier but if you fail in the beginning to make changes then then it gets really really difficult yeah absolutely so yeah i think like i the phrase i've heard is accumulate small wins and i apply that to everything um particularly if people listening who are going to do a phd and things you need to accumulate small wins. You can't just keep thinking about this massive lofty goal of a thesis. Um, you need to think about what's the goal for today that is achievable. Um, otherwise, it, it can be an overwhelming time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree. And if, if I go back to this story and with the children, we at the at Phibian, I'm working at, at, in addition to being a podcast, also in a company which is making activity tracking devices for professionals and we are working on this kind of concepts that when children are doing the measurement they actually get the feedback in form of a polar bear animation so basically the polar bear is telling them results and then how these things affect but 
we are trying to talk the language of the children but i think we don't have at the moment a good story there we don't actually have a success story as i'm now now thinking of it what would be your advice to make make the polar bear and children's physical activity work like uh, i don't know the two crazy ideas that come to mind are inside the polar bear it's a polar bear suit and there's a kid inside the suit and and you find that out or something like that um so that then it's relatable and it's like i am the polar bear um or when you if it's a is it a product like a physical device that they get it is yeah yeah they could have like a a puppet of the polar bear that comes with it or something like that so that then it's like i i love this polar bear and i want to receive the rewards of the polar bear or whatever i don't really know how it works obviously but um i think there needs to be a real like uh, like a friendship kind of not friendship but like a um salience to want to please and impress the bear <laughs> um or relate to the bear yeah um so if it, the thing if it is a, if it was a kid instead of a polar bear i think that could be boring but like if it was something funny where it's like oh actually there's a kid dressed up as a polar bear or something like that um i think that's very relatable like i just think about my kids running around in costumes all the time um yeah, no, I I think that's a nice idea, and we try to make we we are now now producing like polar bear stickers that when they do the measurement they can choose different color and different polar bear in a different position, and and we will we will test how how those will work and and try different things. But I think we need to make the animation a little bit more story. Now we kind of have. It's come from the results that all right. There's a results of sitting time, and then we tell this, tell the results, and tell like a little bit of health effects or encouragement to move or something. But I think we don't have an overarching story in it, and and we we need to develop that. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's similar. Like so, I read a, a blog or something um, recently. It might have been an article about um, gamifying rewards and things like that, and it was talking about do we do that um is it is it to try and like <laughs> sneakily teach them something or whatever or are we doing it because like it genuinely will be really really fun and engaging and i think like there's that real combination you need people to really just want to do that <laughs> um but at the same time you want it to achieve some sort of like helpful goal rather than it being addictive for the sake of being addictive sake um yeah, it's a tricky, I think it's a really tricky thing to work out. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend checking out um, Dan Ariely's um, behavioral economics stuff. Like he, so like an example he gave, he does lots of stuff with actual money, but there is also lots of health and psychology things. Um, and it was like, there's a journal selling a subscription um, and it costs, I don't know, I'll just make up the numbers, $100 for a 12 month subscription. Um and, and so the way that they phrase it, so you read it, it's like the Journal of Economics, um, $100 per month. Um, and then directly under that, the next button down is $100 per year. And so the the reader thinks that that must be an error. <laughs> um, and this is a bargain. I am definitely buying the 12 months. And, and it's because if there was only the $100 for 12 months, you, you don't have any like anchor to know whether or not that's good. So like if the polar bear is giving out a red sticker 
I don't know. Like, is that good? I, I don't know. Red is red. Sometimes is scary, but red is maybe cool. Or and and, and so there's no anchor for this hundred dollars for twelve months. But when you suddenly also put a comparison value um, that's twelve times worse, then suddenly it's like, oh wow, this is um, this is a really good deal, and I should I should act upon it now. And and so the equivalent. I've been thinking about this with one of my colleagues at work um, in terms of physio lecturing is if you gave someone an exercise program and said, um, like, if they really loved gold stars or the polar bear, let's use polar bear stickers. If they really love polar bear stickers and you said, okay, if you do um, 1,000 steps a day, you will get a sticker. And if you do 100,000 steps a day, you're going to get a sticker. And, and, and like, for them, they'll be like, great, I'll do 1,000 steps a day. But if they were previously only doing 10 steps a day or something, then to go to 1,000 is a big, like, so you could, obviously change the numbers, make it, if you were aiming for 10,000 steps a day, you could do 10,000 and, and 50,000 or something ridiculous. And then you go, wow, like I still get the sticker, even if I only do 10,000. And suddenly that the reference point is 50,000 rather than the reference point being, oh, fit people do 10,000 steps. So you can really change where people are anchoring their success to. Um, and so like, if you could have a character go ahead of the kid and get the sticker and be really happy. Like they go and show their teacher and their mum and dad and blah, blah, blah. And then the, then the game starts. It's like the kid is going to want the sticker. <laughs> um, like if they've seen the example is whatever, Zoe Zoppin's got a, got a sticker. I want a sticker. <laughs> um, whereas if it's just like, oh, you get, a, you get a red sticker for doing something, what does that mean? And um, so yeah, you kind of need to establish that the pretend reward is a real reward. Um, well, I guess a sticker is pretty cool at the same time. I ha <laughs> yeah, one of my daughters loves stickers for toilet training and the other one, she wanted to blow a whistle. And so we did <laughs> different behavioral strategies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of, of sure. course you need, need those. Yeah. Those, those are, those are really, really good points. And, and also in this one, we need to think that there's, there's children and then there's parents. And basically we need to kind of educate or influence both that the children would, would actually get, get more active. Do you have any, any ideas how, how should we approach the parents in this kind of thing? They will also mm. see the results of the measurement. Yeah, I feel comfortable answering this in terms of pain to start with. Um, and so when we, when we interviewed kids about how they think about pain, um, one of the classic examples that sticks out, I think it was a nine-year-old girl and she said, whenever you get pain, you just need to have a knee replacement. And I, like I was doing the interviews and I went, I was like, excuse, sorry, what do you mean? And she's like, oh, well, my mum had pain and she got a knee replacement and it was all better. And then my neighbor had pain and she got a knee replacement. And I, I said, but like almost jokingly, I, in my head, I was thinking, what's she going to say for other types of pain? I said, like, what about a headache? She's like, yeah, knee replacements fix pain. And so because, because like until the age of 12, a child doesn't really have the ability to think abstractly and it's around eight, 12 when they can start doing that. And so the idea is, well, like it's like if pain, then knee replacement. <laughs> and there is no negotiating on that at all. Um, and she had an, an N of two, a story of two examples of that. Um, and I just remember like she was so clear in that and and I guess what we learned from that study is how influential these people around a child are, and particularly siblings and parents and whoever's at home with the kids, really. 
Um, and I think if we, like often what we see in adult pain clinics is you teach someone about the science of pain, they, they start getting better and then you don't see them for a while and then they come back and they're not, not doing as great. And then you find out, oh yeah, my, my husband actually, he still ties up my shoes and, and he doesn't want me to bend anymore. He's told me that my discs might pop out, blah, blah, like all these really unhelpful beliefs. And it's because conceptual change and behavior change happened within the patient but not within the social surrounds. And because pain is biopsychosocial, we really need a whole revolution, like a conceptual revolution is the term that we're aiming for. Um, and so for kids, it's really, really clear cut. I think we need the child to change their understanding. We need the child to change their behavior. But more than that, we need the parent to be completely on board with that. And um, and any pediatric clinician who's here listening, I'm sure knows the importance of having the buy-in of the family. Um, but I think doing that in an educational setting is harder. Like, and particularly when it's like, I'm constantly thinking about kids' books at the moment. It's like, I'm just handing this over. How are we going to have control and how can we validate their concerns and how can we get buy-in from the parents as well? And so we're building the online platform and it's going to be hopefully a two-way conversation and, and things like that. So um, yeah, I like to go back to your question of how important are parents, I just think it's absolutely critical that the whole household kind of changes the way that they're um, thinking and behaving. Otherwise, like it'd be the same in dieting, physical activity, pain, like lots of different areas. If if everyone's not on board, then it creates tensions and then that becomes the, the thing that divides relationships. And yeah, I don't know. I just think it's much better if we can um, give really high quality education. Yes, good points. And and then I wanted Hello? to ask... Excuse oh. me. Could I ask one question before you? Yeah, yeah. Sir, please, please go on. Do you work with children and physical activity? Okay, then you should listen to us. We wanted to tell you about this polar bear animation that is so cool. And we understood from his funny explanations why humans and polar bears shouldn't sit all day. Fabian device, it is an accelerator. And I could tell you all the specs. But you just need to know it measures accurately sedentary behavior and physical activity. And is scientifically validated. But most importantly, using it feels like magic. Yeah, like magic. Ding dong done. So, Lomo at Fibian.com slash kids. Please click it because it's important that kids all over the world can learn from polar bear. That's so awesome. Mom, can we have a polar bear as a pet? Please, Mom? Mm, yeah, yeah, that, that's actually interesting that with the pain things, you have been pay, paying attention to it because pain is quite quite individual thing. But even then, the, the family and other people around are are really important. So how do you do, do this buy-in of family? How, how do you promote, how do you facilitate that they, they also understand the concepts and, and the important things? Yeah. And I, I like, I mean, um, one of the educational theories that's really popular for me teaching in a, in a university setting is called constructivism. And, and the idea is that the learner is an active participant and they're constructing 
knowledge and they're they're building upon their own prior understanding or maybe they're getting rid of their prior understanding and they're building new knowledge and understanding um it's not so much like a didactic i'm receiving the learning it's i'm actually doing the learning and i'm engaging in that and and like i guess yeah working in a pediatric setting it it, it just kind of happens all the time like you're always sitting alongside the kid and and you're trying getting getting down to their eye level and then the parent sees that example and and tries to join in and and then you encourage them and so you create a dynamic where like you become less um, they rely less on you. So you, you teach the parent, you teach the child, and then you try and let them go with it and see how they go. And then you might provide some feedback. Um, and I think it's it's going to be different for every single family because that dynamic is going to be um, different all the time. Like I don't think, I, I can't think of any friends I, I know who, who would have the exact same beliefs about how often they should sit in a day. Um, there'd be some people who need to have thousands of dollars of chairs <laughs> and then there'd be other people who are happy to sit on the grass and and doesn't matter. Um, yeah, like I think that's such a broad spectrum. And then so then their family influences would be enormous as well. Um, so I'd say it depends on age. It depends on the parenting and how involved they are. Um, it also depends on the other people at home, like siblings and grandparents and friends and co- like particularly for athletes, we're finding... Um, people like soccer coaches or whoever that coach is that they're seeing frequently um, has such a big influence on their their beliefs about their body. Um, and so for, for pain, a lot of people in qualitative research, a lot of people with chronic pain see their body as crumbling and fragile. Um, but in reality, like as scientists, we know that the body is incredibly resilient and to even be able to have persistent pain. The body is overprotective. It's working really, really hard and it's very resilient. Um, but if they're getting framed and saying, like if, if the health professionals they're seeing are saying, you need surgery, you are broken, you need this again, or that means this has failed and you need to try that again, like obesity or whatever it is, like the, fail, 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 fail. All the language is you are fragile, you are broken, you cannot do it. Suddenly, like their locus of control is so far away, like they don't have any self-efficacy left. No, everyone is telling them they can't do this. Um, and so to turn that around, it takes uh, like it's not just one health professional. You need a psychologist. You need the pain specialist or whoever whoever's involved in the equivalent disciplines. Um, but yeah, so in terms of physical activity, I would say we need to be engaging with people who are experts at behavior change. And so whoever that is, and that there's a lot of different health professions that can do that, but I would say we can learn a lot from psychology because um, they're already doing that with lots of other um, like psychological conditions. And I would say that things like physical activity have a large um, psychological kind of role. Like how do you maintain behaviors and how do you change behaviors and how do you kind of set habits and routines and what's the family's routine and what do the family values align with and all those different questions can be unpacked um, early rather than waiting for problems to occur and then saying, oh, it's because you didn't do your, your three times 10 exercises. Um, it's it's nothing to do with any of that. It's They've set up a system for it to fail. So why are you trying to, to prescribe and like <laughs> they spend 29 minutes of a 30-minute appointment just doing something and then they say, oh, and here's the exercises, good luck. It's like, that's not going to help. <laughs> like they've got no chance. Um, yeah, and I, I think we need to be like really able to critically self-reflect and that's very hard and you have to be willing to be wrong and and yeah that's a challenge so 
Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.